This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. CBS Mornings. I'm Nate Burleson. I'm Vladimir Dutier. I'm Michelle Miller. We begin this morning with rising fears over the spread of the Omicron variant to more states across America. The strain has already been detected in at least five states. Experts think the real number is likely much higher. Yesterday, New York State reported at least five cases of the variant, more than any other state. So far, all cases of the strain in the U.S. have been mild, but the uncertainty is taking a toll. Nikki Batiste is tracking the spread. Holidays are here, and with them, concerns about the Omicron variant as millions of Americans shop, gather, and travel for the season. On Thursday, New York became the first state to detect multiple Omicron cases, all five in the greater New York area. We have to assume that means there's community spread. We have to assume that means we're going to see a lot more cases. Two other cases of the Omicron variant were also announced Thursday. Both patients reported mild symptoms. One case was a Colorado woman who had recently returned from Southern Africa. She was vaccinated but had not received a booster. The second case was detected in a Minnesota man who received a booster in early November and whose only recent travel was an anime convention in New York City. What COVID is doing is it's learning. It's adapting. It's Dr. Tom Frieden is the former director of the Centers for Disease Control. He says it will take weeks at least before we know if Omicron causes more serious illness or if it can evade our protections. For those of us who are fully vaccinated, who have had a booster, what should we do in the face of Omicron? If you're older or immunosuppressed or you live with someone who's older or immunosuppressed, you're going to want to be more careful. Indoor spaces, I think everyone should be masked. And the more of us who mask up, the safer all of us are. Health officials are urging all of the 53,000 people who attended the anime convention in New York City to get tested immediately. And Americans who are looking for a shot, whether it's their first or their third, should visit vaccines.gov or text their zip code to 438829 to find a free vaccine near you. Michelle? Important to get vaccinated. All of those that we've looked at thus far with the Omicron have been vaccinated people. So, Nikki, thank you. We are learning more now about the Omicron variant from scientists in South Africa where it was first reported. An early study there found Omicron is at least 2.4 times more likely to reinfect someone who had COVID before compared to other variants. The strain is also highlighting inequalities in the global COVID response. Deborah Pata is in Johannesburg. Deborah, good morning. 
Good morning. In the turf war between Omicron and Delta, the new variant is clearly winning, accounting for a meteoric rise in new infections in South Africa, and it's inserted itself firmly into the global debate on vaccine inequality. It's been the war cry of health experts around the globe since the pandemic began. Nobody is safe until everyone is safe. Had we done the scientific thing, had we done what the scientists were saying in January, February 2020, we would not be now where we are. And what science tells us, says a furious Dr. Ayawade Alakija, is that unless there is global vaccine equity, the virus will continue to mutate. In the two countries where Omicron was first identified, Botswana has already administered 86% of its supply, South Africa 78%. Compare this to wealthy nations where it's predicted 100 million expired vaccines could be destroyed at the end of the year. This is because they've hoarded them, says Alakija. We're saying get out of the queue so that we can get to the front of the line and get our own and pay for them. Complicating matters further is distribution. Many African countries lack the logistical capability to get shots into people's arms. And travel bans only further isolate this region. Californian Monica Glass was visiting her husband's family in South Africa when her flights were cancelled. Southern Africa is the only place who they instilled these travel bans, right? And I just, I feel like it's unfair. It's not right. Then another blow. While waiting to make new travel arrangements, she tested positive for COVID and is isolating in Cape Town. I I'm have mild symptoms. I am vaccinated and I'm a nurse. So I work in a COVID unit. I've been around COVID. And this is the first that I have had COVID as far as I'm aware. A far bigger concern is getting home to her three children when the infection clears. Travel bans are causing further chaos with South African scientists saying there are fewer planes coming in that can bring the necessary compounds to study Omicron, sparking fears they could run out. Deborah Pata in Johannesburg, thank you very much. Welcome news out of Washington, where Congress has voted to keep the government running. The short-term spending bill funds federal agencies through mid-February. President Biden plans to sign it later today, ahead of a midnight deadline. Congress still needs to raise the federal debt limit before December 15th. If not, much of the government will have to close. With more on the most recent school shooting, the parents of the accused school shooter, Ethan Crumbly, could be charged as soon as today. Crumbly, who was 15 years old, has been charged as an adult for allegedly killing four students and injuring seven other people at his Oxford, Michigan high school. In a statement, the school superintendent said, it still looks like a war zone. And it will be weeks before students can return. Nancy Chen is in Oxford, Michigan, following the investigation. Nancy, good morning. Nate, good morning to you. The county prosecutor here told me that the suspect's parents should have done a better job of securing the weapon that was used in Tuesday's attack. And that could have saved lives. 100% it could have been prevented. Yes. Oakland County Prosecutor Kara McDonald said justice is the reason her office charged the alleged shooter, Ethan Crumbly, with 24 felony charges, including one count of terrorism. What's behind that charge? It speaks for what really happened. This is not something that just happened to, to eight individuals. This is, um, the footprint is large and it has a ripple effect. Go. We hear something that sounds like someone being punched against a locker. 
17-year-old Catalina Ifkovitz credits her math teacher for saving lives on Tuesday. The shooter was right outside our classroom. He was able to shut the door immediately and get us all in the lockdown mode. If it hadn't been for the teachers, I don't know how many more casualties there would have been. To say that I am still uh, in shock and numb is uh, probably an understatement. Last night, Oxford Community Schools Superintendent Tim Thorne addressed the shooting and victims. We have parents that sent their kids to school two days ago and they're never coming home. Police say the shooter used a semi-automatic handgun purchased by his father just days before Tuesday's attack. McDonald is investigating the alleged gunman's parents for possible charges. And what could those potential charges look like? It went far beyond just a negligent parent and fully support and advocate holding them responsible if that meets the, the threshold and, and the elements are there. And law enforcement officials tell us that so far the parents are not cooperating. The suspect has pleaded not guilty on all charges. The superintendent also did say that there are no prior disciplinary actions against the alleged shooter, even after a meeting on his behavior just hours before the shooting, Michelle. So much coming out of this, Nancy. Thank you for your reporting. The Biden administration is bringing back a controversial policy for migrants at the southern border under a federal court order. The Trump administration created the Remain in Mexico policy that forces asylum seekers to wait for court hearings outside the U.S., often in dangerous tense cities along the border. Those rules could resume as early as Monday with several key changes. The U.S. government will have to provide COVID-19 vaccines, ensure safe and secure shelter, limit immigration proceedings to six months for each applicant and provide greater access to legal counsel. President Biden has called the Trump policy inhumane. In August, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the Biden administration improperly ended that program. L.A. police have arrested a suspect in the killing of Jacqueline Avon, the 81-year-old philanthropist married to music industry legend Clarence Avon. Ariel Maynard was caught at the scene of another alleged crime Wednesday where police say he shot himself in the foot. Police suspect, suspect Maynard, who is on parole, killed Jacqueline Avant just one hour earlier after breaking into her Beverly Hills home. This video appears to show him with an injured foot being wheeled away from a home in nearby Hollywood. Police say they recovered an AR-15 rifle at the second scene, thought to be the weapon used in the killing. Maynard remains in custody at a local hospital. In a statement, Avon's family thanked law enforcement and said, quote, now let justice be served. Now we turn to the latest at the, on the deadly shooting on the set of the movie Rust. In an exclusive interview, Alec Baldwin told ABC News' George Stephanopoulos he is not to blame for the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. The actor says he assumed the gun did not have live bullets and described the moment the shot was fired, claiming he did not pull the trigger. Omar Villafranca has covered this from the very beginning. Omar. Good morning. Good morning. Baldwin said he was stunned after what happened on the set, and it took him about 45 minutes to realize it could have been a live round. He said initially he thought Hutchins had fainted, but he didn't find out she died until hours later. I, I feel that, that, that uh, someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who that is, but I know it's not me. In his yeah. first sit-down interview since the fatal shooting on the set of the movie Rust in New Mexico, actor Alec Baldwin says 
he is not responsible for the death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins, despite being the person who held the gun when it discharged. I might have killed myself if I thought I was responsible. I don't say that lightly. Baldwin broke down during the interview while remembering Hutchins. She was someone who was loved by everyone who worked with and liked by everyone who worked with and admired. Hutchins was killed, and director Joel Souza was wounded when the 45 caliber prop gun fired a live bullet. The actor says the revolver went off when he and Hutchins were rehearsing. So then I said to her, now in this scene, I'm going to cock the gun. And I said, do you want to see that? And she said, yes. So I take the gun and I start to cock the gun. I'm not going to pull the trigger. I, I said, do you see that? She said, well, just cheat it down and tilt it down a little bit like that. And I cock the gun. I go, can you see that? Can you see that? Can you see that? And she says, and then I let go of the hammer of the gun and the gun goes off. That's extremely unusual. Veteran movie picture armorer Dutch Merrick says the type of gun Baldwin used is not supposed to discharge like that. It's designed to pull the hammer back and it sets itself, it locks in place. Then you hit the trigger with your other finger. What Alec Baldwin is describing is not that sequence. So something tells me that this gun, if it operated the way he says, was not functioning according to the way it was designed. Baldwin's assertion that he did not pull the trigger was supported by the film's assistant director, Dave Halls, according to his lawyer. Investigators are looking into how a live round got into the gun that Baldwin was practicing with. Where did that bullet come from? Somebody brought live rounds, plural, onto the set of the film. No criminal charges have been filed. Baldwin says he has been talking to people in the know who say it is highly unlikely he will be charged criminally. When asked if his career could be over, he said it could be. Nate? Omar, thank you. I'm CBS News correspondent Major Garrett, host of the podcast Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. During the Cold War, FBI agent Robert Hansen traded classified secrets to the Kremlin in exchange for cash and jewels. In the podcast, you'll hear from Hansen's closest friends, family members, victims, and colleagues for the most comprehensive telling of who Robert Hansen really was. Binge the entire series now. Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen is available on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.